tonight. Thank you for allowing us to come into your house to hear your word, to read the manual straight from your throne, God, that tells us how to live, tells us how to be prosperous, tells us how to be faithful, tells us how to live a life that's right, God, and pleasing to you, Lord. Thank you for everything you're doing in every person's life here tonight, Lord. We ask that you'd speak to us, and we pray that the devil would be defeated at every angle. And, Lord, there be no hindrance to your word coming forth in power tonight. And we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is salvation unto all men, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Amen. If you're taking notes tonight, I want to get right into the word. I've got a, an important message on my heart and my spirit. I've been wanting to preach this for several weeks and just waited for the right time. And if you're taking notes, we're going to take, talk about appropriate and accountable. Appropriate and accountable. Amen. This is going to be a discipleship message. Amen. For those that are watching online, uh, this is not one of those messages that I'll be looking for amens. I don't care if I get them or not, but this is going to be one of those messages that's going to help us. We're going to be done with it, and we're going to say, Lord, thank you for, for, for giving me that doctor checkup. Amen. Telling me what I need to hear. So I want to I get into this by saying something right off the bat. How many here have ever heard of Ravi Zacharias? Miss your hands, just keep them up for a second if you've ever heard of Ravi Zacharias. Okay, we have uh, some people in here who've heard of him. Uh, if you have not heard of him, I'm not going to take a long time to talk about him, but I, I do want to mention something that happened, and, and I've just thought, man, I've got to preach on this. I've got to talk about it. Some of you would know. Some of you don't know. So this guy, Ravi Zacharias, uh, has, been, has been preaching the gospel for 48 years. Uh, I've heard him my entire ministry. Uh, I've listened to him many times. Uh, he, he does what's called apologetics, which basically is teaching people how to witness to other faiths. And um, very smart, I mean ridiculously smart, wise, um, preached in colleges and, and all international ministry. And uh, so I, just, just listening to him just all these years, just uh, paying attention and all these things. And come to find out last year about this time, a little later, about May, I found out that he had cancer, and uh, I followed him on Instagram and, and found out that he had passed away. And I remember, I remember being in, in bed, just laying by my wife and showing her. I said, man, how sad. He passed away of cancer, and, and uh, just thinking about that. And then it was just a few months later that an accusation came out against this man of some inappropriate behavior. And I remember hearing about it and going, now, that, that's just, just knowing this guy's ministry for so long going, no, that's, that's, that can't be right. That, that's not, that can't be possible. And so I kind of just blew it off. And then I want to say about January of this year, uh, more stuff began to come out about this man. And I, I was totally blown away, vexed, bothered, angry, frustrated, sad, disappointed to hear what this man had, had gotten into. And basically... This preacher of the gospel, married for 50 years with three or four kids, an international ministry, dead and, and, and gone into eternity, has all this stuff come out about his ministry after he died that, that obviously there had to be somebody that knew about it, but lots of people did not know about it. And accusations of 200-something women's pictures in his phones, um, rape, abuse, uh, sexting, uh, touch, inappropriate touching, I mean, all kinds of things. And so bad that this international ministry 
taking in millions of dollars a year and having hundreds of employees had to do a, a, a legal investigation to find out what happened. And as they began to investigate and paid an illegal uh, company, uh, I want to say last month at some point I was reading and showed my wife, I said, their statement, you can go look at it all later for more information, but they came out and said, it is regretful to say that after much investigation, all of the accusations are true. Now that is a shame. You know, I was thinking about, I don't have this in my notes, but Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 talks about how that there is sexual immorality among the brethren. And it says how this should not even be mentioned in the church. And, and I feel like this is so important because we're in an age right now where there is a lot of attack uh, of sexual immorality, amen? I'm not even just talking about the sexual orientation that is a problem, but, but just stuff that's not appropriate and things that are happening behind the scenes. There's stats that, that so many pastors and, and leaders are, are bound to pornography behind the scenes. They're, it's in their computers. It's all kinds of different things. So I want, I want to admonish you tonight, challenge you tonight, confront you tonight, comfort you tonight, encourage you tonight, wherever it is that you need to receive, that we need to be true believers. Amen. And we're going to start off with this verse in Psalm 69.5. And it says this, Oh God, you know my foolishness. Amen. Oh God, you know my foolishness. Now I'm going to sit here for a minute, and then it says, I want you to leave that verse up for a minute. Just let, just let that stay up there. And my sins are not hidden from you. Now leave that up. We, we can hide, church, from our ministry. We can hide from our wife, I guess. You can hide from your kids, as this man did. How sad, church, is it for this family to think that they had a man of God in their house? How sad. I, I was talking to Pastor Mario about this before the service started. Listen, if you are in any kind of leadership or ministry and you begin to be tempted by the things that are not right and are not godly, get out of the ministry, get out of church, and go do your garbage someplace else, but don't stay in the church and play with God. Can I get a better amen? Don't stay in church and play with God. It, it, I, I want to say, I want to cuss, but I'm not going to, amen? It makes me mad. This stuff makes me mad because this is my gospel. Can anybody say this is my gospel? This is my Jesus. This is my king that's being defamed. And you know what's sad? I'm disappointed. I'm hurt and upset and sad that this man did this, but it doesn't affect my faith. But probably hundreds of thousands of people tonight are, are affected in their faith because of this man's life. Because unfortunately, people go beyond admiration and honor and go to worship. And people worship people. And, and one of the things I want to say right off the bat is you better understand if you're in any way trying to mess around with this thing called sin, if you're playing with it at all, you're going to lose. Not one person in this place, this is a man of 48 years of ministry, all over the world. If you think you can play around and think that that won't happen to you, you're on slippery slope. Okay, you're in a dangerous place if you don't think, well, that'll never, don't we do that as human beings? That'll never be me. I'll never do that. I'll never go. We all say it. But that's why a message like this is so important. 
I remember God speaking to me. I was sharing this with Jimmy this, this afternoon outside. I remember him speaking to me, recently saved. And he said, go ahead and leave that up there, please. He said to me, God said, if you'll watch other people's lives and you'll learn from their mistakes. You've heard me say this before. And you'll learn from their mistakes. I'll keep you from them. And I'm just wise enough to listen to that. So I, I think that this, I remember when this first happened, I talked to Pastor Paul, and he didn't know about it. He had no idea this had happened. And as a matter of fact, he had even referenced Ravi Zacharias in a message, and he didn't know. I mean, it's just like some things you don't even know. And so he was blown away and, 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 and totally flabbergasted that this had happened. And I said, this is a great opportunity to minister and to preach to our people to understand if a man like that can fall, anybody can fall. Amen. Are you, are you with me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? The devil's not playing games. That's a trophy for the devil. And, and as, I, as I get into this and now just kind of leave that behind, you know, it's very possible, church, that that man who preached the gospel for 48 years is in hell right now. Because there's no, only God knows, but there's no public confession, there's no public admittance, admittance, there's nothing that says I'm struggling with this, I have a problem with this, or I'm dealing with this. I mean, he died as a saint. If you go to certain things and read about him, they've even had to change the editing things. I mean, he's got pages and pages of Google, and they've had to say, we did this story before we found out, and we regret to say that this has happened, and we're ashamed of this, and that's not the life you want to live. If you're hiding it now, it's going to come out. My sins are not hidden from you. If we're living our lives thinking, I only care what other people think, but I don't care what God thinks, we're wrong in the first place. Amen. So I want to help you tonight to stay away with this. I want you to write down three key factors, three things you can do. This is the kind of stuff, by the way, we talk about in men's discipleship. We talk about stuff like this that's straight on, straightforward, in your face, be right, get right, live right, be an example. So you're getting a good discipleship tonight on this Wednesday night. Amen. Three key factors, three things you've got to do if you don't want to fall into these things. And before I say this, be careful that maybe you're a woman and you're going, well, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a man, I don't have a problem with women's things, or, or you're a woman and, you don't, and it's nothing what we're talking. Everybody's got something they've got to deal with. Everybody in here has got an area in your life that you are weak in, or, or you, nobody is exempt from the devil's plans. Amen? And remember that the Bible tells us, if this isn't true, the Bible tells us Satan comes to hang out and to drink coffee and to have fun. Is that what he says? What does Satan come to do? Steal, kill, and not just mess up, destroy. So Jesus said that for a reason. He's, he's trying to get us to understand it is a real enemy. And, and in, I feel like in these days that we're living in, the, the closer we get, as John said, every day to that return of Christ, we're more and more like Sodom and Gomorrah. How, how are these things even being mentioned? He said, I can't even believe we're having to mention these things among God's people. Right? So again, if, if I see you disappear and you don't come back, I'll know. I don't care what you did, but I'll know you're not. I'm not saying we don't want you to get right. But either get right or get out. Amen? Get right or get out. Because you're going to go to hell anyway, so you might as well. I've always had that attitude. If I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to go have some fun and enjoy it before I go to hell then. But you, oh, that was a good place to say amen. Don't play with God. Either get in or get out. And he says that. I didn't even get started my message. i got to get going here. He says, he says, I don't want you lukewarm. I either want you hot or cold. Get in or get out. You can be on my team, but I need you all in. So number one, and this is what lacks 
in a lot of people today is the fear of the Lord. We need the fear of the Lord. How is it possible that we are doing, thinking, saying these things that we're doing as Christians? And listen, there might not be one person in here that's doing anything wrong. And if that's the case, praise God, and I hope that is the case. But this will keep you from falling into something. Because don't think the devil's not right around the corner waiting to trap you. Matter of fact, the Bible says that be careful that once you feel like you've arrived, you fall. Pride comes before a fall. And so we have to stay humble. And one of the ways you stay humble is fearing the Lord and realizing He's a big God. And He's an eternal God. Amen. And so it's, it, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. How many want to be smart? So fear the Lord. It says, But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, as we're getting into this, we're talking about appropriate and accountable. Appropriate and accountable. One of, one of the things that we have to realize about appro- appropriate is the definition of inappropriate is even better than the actual definition of pro- appropriate. It's, it's improper. It's being in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. And so a lot of times in the church world, affairs or sexual perversion or problems or theft or lying or deception happen out of in good intentions. They don't, they don't, no one walks up to somebody in a church and says, hey, let's have an affair. Or, hey, let's be inappropriate. Or, hey, let's, let's, have, let's go drink together. Or, hey, let's go. No, that doesn't happen. It happens in putting yourselves in positions of inappropriateness. Things that just don't look good, they don't, they don't look right, They're, they could be dangerous, and so you, you avoid those temptations and those pitfalls, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more in a minute. Number two, self-examination. This is very important. I'm preaching to you as your pastor and your shepherd, but this isn't about me thinking about somebody else and worrying about somebody else, because Jesus said, don't worry about that speck that's in somebody else's eye, you got a log in yours. Amen. Don't, it, God says, I need you to self-examine yourself. Right? I, you need to go to the doctor, the physician, Jesus. You need to go to the altar. And you need to say for yourself, Lord, check me. Search me. Is there anything in my life? Is there anything in my heart? Is there anything in my motives? Is there anything that needs to be addressed? Self-examination. Okay? Now, along with that is where you'll get to a place as a disciple where you're saying, rebuke me correct me and I'm gonna get into that in a second challenge me teach me tell me when I'm off I don't I need you to help me okay and I'm trying not to get into the next number but let me read some more verses on self-examination second Corinthians 13 5 examine yourselves as to whether look at this whether you're in the faith he didn't say examine yourselves to whether you're congregating he said are you in the faith test yourselves Test yourselves. Because, church, the truth is, we, we can fool other people. We can put on a good, and listen, it happens. That's why, that, that, that's why everybody's so shocked that this guy did all this stuff. Because no, when I say nobody, I mean, like Pastor Mario said, somebody knew, but it wasn't very many people knew. And the ones that knew were in it with them. And, and that's one of the problems with money. Pay people. Don't say a word. Lots of craziness going on. So test yourself. 
It says, test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Next time you're tempted to do something that's wrong, can you remember that Jesus is right there with you? That this is the temple of the Holy Spirit and Jesus abides in you and he's right there? Amen? Would you take your kids to do that? Would you take your, would you, you know, would you, would you he's right there. He says, don't you know he's in you? And then he says, why do we test ourselves? See, this is a problem. There's some false teaching out there that once you're saved, you're always saved. That's not biblical. Because it says, that my, my Bible tells me, unless indeed you are disqualified. You know what disqualified means? It means you weren't playing by the rules, and so you're out. So it's a serious thing. Can you tell somebody next to you it's a serious thing? Amen. It's okay. We don't, have to all, we don't always have to laugh and smile. These are good messages. We'll laugh and smile when we get to heaven. Amen. We need sometimes just that prick in our heart to, to get us right. Slap us and show us, man, what, what am I doing here? Or, or, or how am I falling? Or how am I messing up here? So we can be disqualified. Look at this next verse, James 1, to 24. But you be doers of the word. See, we've got a lot of hearers in the world right now. A lot of hearers. Hearers, hearers. He says, don't be hearers only. And look what that next word says. And I got it in capital big letters in my, in my notes. Deceiving yourselves. Don't deceive yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so we're on number two of examine yourselves. Here is a huge key that was a personal blessing for me. It was a revelation. Guys in discipleship know this because I hit it all the time. We read the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and watch this. We know a lot of these things, and it says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. Against such there is no law. And there's one that I did not read that is the most important of all of them. It is called self-control. Can everybody say that with me? Self-control. It is a lie from the pits of hell that you can't help yourself. That's just how I am. I'm weak. All we, we, we make excuses for our sin. Self-control. God gave us self-control. When you finally realize that, that it's on us. The Bible tells us in James that whenever we're tempted, he gives us a door. He gives us a door to go out. He says there's a way of escape from, from that temptation. And church, we have got to realize that we might think, well, I'll just mess up and I'll just ask for forgiveness and God will forgive me and, and I'll just move. You don't know when you're going to die. Are you going to die in sin? That should be a scary thing. That should be something, well, don't you understand the grace of God? Don't you believe? Of course. But I also believe that we can be disqualified. I also believe that the Bible says my name can be blotted out of the book of life. 
And so it's serious stuff. I can't, I can't play with sin and coddle sin and mess around with sin. Can you imagine tonight if in, in this illustration that if there was a, a, a wicked, a poisonous, venomous snake in your house that could kill you if it bit you, how would you go home and treat that situation? Would you just go to bed and go to sleep and not worry about it? Or would you go into that house and try to find out where that snake is? Or have somebody else go out and find where that snake is. Amen. I'm with you on that. Call the pest control or call someone who's not afraid. Amen. But you're not going to go home and, and then look for it and pick it up and play with it and mess around with it. Because that snake can kill you. That sin can kill you. And we need to look at sin like that. We need to hate sin. We're all sinners. We all fall short. We all make mistakes. But there's a difference between falling short and living in sin. Okay? Are you all still here? Number three, here's the third key. Accountability. Accountability. You're already in good, on, good, on good path right now because you're at church. That's what's good about being here. That's what's good about saying, I'm not going to miss a service. I'm going to be every service that's open. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to miss because when I go, I'm accountable. As you see here, we try to get everybody involved. We, we, we eventually want the whole church to be on the ministry team. Because when you're on the ministry team, we wonder where you're at. We expect you to be here at a certain time. We expect you to communicate when you're not going to be here. We expect you to go to the prayer room. We expect you to pay your tithes. We expect you to pray. We expect you to do all these things. How many know there's nothing wrong with that? So you're accountable to somebody. And then when you're not doing those things, someone can come to you and say, hey, notice you haven't been at church. Notice you haven't been in the prayer room. Notice you haven't been paying your tithes. Notice you haven't been to the altar. And we start to address those things because we need somebody to speak into our lives and tell us you're on a a path that's not going the right direction. And I'd rather hear it from you and tell me to my face than hear it on the judgment day when I miss heaven. Can anybody say amen? It's, It's not a laughing matter. I told someone this week it's not a laughing matter. It's not a joke. Take this very serious. I want every single one of us to go to heaven. Eternity is forever. Forever. Is there a sin? Is there any real pleasure that that man could have gotten that that was worth him going to hell over? No way. So so we can't play with sin. We've got to be accountable. We've got to accountability is actually looking for someone to speak into our lives. Asking for it. Not just being okay when it is, but asking for it. Can you watch with me? Can you hold me accountable? Can you, you know what, this, this, I don't want to get ahead, too much ahead of myself, but let me give you some verses real quick. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. Heard me quote this a lot of times. Powerful verse. Sobering verse. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak. They will give an account of it. Leave that up for just a second, in the day of judgment. I use this uh, particular thing. There's many ways this could go, but I use this a lot, and I used to use it a lot when I used to play basketball a lot on the basketball court for people who cuss, people who, who say vulgar things, because it says every idle word you speak. Let me know it's cuss words and idle word. It means meaningless, stupid, dumb, doesn't mean nothing. They will give an account for it on the day of judgment. Now watch what it says. It goes on to say, for by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. That's a sobering verse. Amen. 
That's a sobering verse. By your words. And that, remember that when I get a little further in, at near the end of the message, that part, by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. So Romans 14, 12, look what this says. This is about accountability. For each of us shall give account of the neighbor next to us of their lives to God. Who are we going to give account for? Ourselves. How many times have you heard me at an altar call or at a salvation prayer ever tell you that the spotlight's going to be on you and your spouse and your family members are not going to be with you? It does not say that the Owens family is going to be gathered together. The Andrews family is going to be gathered together. The Platt family is going to be gathered together. The Munoz family is going to be gathered together. And as a family, they're going to give an account to God. It says, they, each of us, shall give an account of himself to God. That's why we always talk about that salvation is personal. Young people, you're not going to get to heaven because your parents brought you to church. You have to have a personal relationship. Look at Hebrews 13. This is why I'm doing this tonight. Verse 17. Obey those who rule over you, not in a domineering, weird, macho, wrong way, but be submissive for they, because when it's right, church, when it's godly and it's right, it's, it's amazing. You hear me all the time how much I admonish, admonish, honor, respect, and thank God for my pastor and the pastors in my life who help me stay on the, the right path. We need people. And I'm up here preaching to you, not as somebody who is on on an island to myself because I'm the pastor of this church. I have men in my life who I'm accountable to. Besides the men that I work with, because discipleship is a two-way street, I have pastors in my life who speak into my life, and I want them to speak into my life. And when I'm going to make a decision that is a big decision, I ask them for counsel. What do you think about this? What would you do in this situation? And so I'm accountable. Amen. Accountable to your wife. Wives, you need to be accountable to your husband. We need accountability. Can I get an amen? I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but there should be no passwords. There should be no secret accounts. There should be nothing hidden from your spouse or, or your family members. We should be open books. Because when you have something that is secret, it is exactly that. Secret. And there's only one good secret in the whole Bible, and that's going to the secret place in the presence of God. Other than that, secrets are not good. Are you still here? So he says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. When I text you and tell you I missed you, I'm not bothering you or bugging you. I'm telling you that I missed you so you get back in church. Some of you told me you were going to be here tonight, and you're not here. But hopefully you're watching online. But here's better. Amen. Remember, I'm not your friend. I'm your coach. And I'm, I'm, I want to see your soul in heaven. So when I'm hard on you or harsh to you or maybe sometimes it seems mean to you or straightforward to you, because I sent some people some straightforward texts this week out of love. Out of love. Can, can I get an amen? Get quiet in here. But here's why. Because i got to give an account for you of how I preach. So I can't just go, oh, that's not a big deal. I'll just rub that under the rug. I don't need to talk about that. i, when I, I got to talk about it because it can help you. And then he says, let them do so with joy, not grief. 
for that would be unprofitable to you. Amen? Now, those are the three things. Fear of the Lord, self-examination, and accountability. And I want to give you a good Psalms. Psalms chapter 19. This, this should almost be a prayer. Not, not a prayer like in the sense of a vain repetition of reading this every single day, but there's a lot here. So give me an amen when you get to Psalms 19, verse 7, and we're going to read to 14. The law of the Lord, or in other words, the Bible, the words of God are perfect. How many believe that? Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making the wise simple. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. Watch this. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Let me just stop right there for a second. How many know that we don't have to worry about things do, being handled right on the judgment day? Because he's, it's going to be just. And the Bible says it's a scary thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I've always believed this, and I believe it more now after almost 30 years of preaching the gospel than I ever believed. People do not, and I said it already, and I'm going to say it again, people don't fear the Lord enough. There's not enough reverence of the Lord. I'm, listen, I am very secure in who my father is, who my king is, and, and, and that I'm saved by grace and not by I'm very secure in that. But I'm also very sure that God is a really big God. And he's going to say exactly, he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. And so I'm not going to try to manipulate his word. You know, we're, that's what we do as human beings. We manipulate. We, we try to go and make a deal. Let's make a deal, Lord. God's not going to make deals. God, God doesn't, this is crazy. God doesn't treat you any different than me or anybody. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have favors. Matter of fact, the Bible says he there is no, shows no exceptions of persons. We, he doesn't treat anybody. He doesn't have a favorite kid. He loves us all the same, and he's just. And it's hard for us to understand that because we have favorites, and we have people, you know, that we're kind of made that way. But God does not. He's just. And so we can know tonight that even in this man, Ravi Zacharias' life, when he stands before God to give an account, God will be just with him. And ho hopefully... Hopefully, by the grace of God, he cried out to God. Amen. Hopefully. But we can be sure that, you know, the Texas law and the California law and the, the law in Mexico and the law in Africa, they're going to make mistakes. But God's law is perfect. How many are thankful for that? He's a just God. And he, the Bible says, weighs the intentions and the motives of our hearts. So let's finish this. It says, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Watch this. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, more than fine gold. Sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Stay with me here. By them what? By the word of God, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Amen. How many know there's a great reward for keeping the commandments of God? Who can understand his errors? Watch this. Cleanse me from my secret faults. 
Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's a good prayer. Okay? His ways are right. His ways are pure. Right's going to come out right. Let me begin to close with just a few examples. And there's many more. But I was just thinking, how, how, can, how can some of these things begin to happen? Whenever you are by yourself, I don't care if you're by yourself in your house, or you're by yourself in a store, or you're by yourself in a car. When you are by yourself, you're not by yourself. Can I just remind you of that? You're not by yourself. That's the first mistake that people make. Nobody else is around except the one who matters. Right? It's really foolish when we actually believe that we're by ourselves when the one who really matters is right there. We look around. We see, is anybody looking? How how ridiculous is that? When the one who sees it all is right there. We should at least, at the very least, look up. At the very least. If we're going to you know, do that out of nervousness, then we should at least look up and acknowledge that he's watching. Here's some, some simple, very everyday things we can be careful of. And we go over this stuff in our ministry team. Talking to someone of the opposite sex about your marriage problems. That's dangerous. Talking to the opposite sex about your marriage problems. Telling, and, and that can be in a, in a prayer room, that can be in a hall, that can be texting, that can be in a store, and you're telling someone of the opposite sex about your marriage problems, and, and then that person can begin to say, you know what? That's the way my husband is too. And all of a sudden you've got a common bond. And I don't even have to go to the next step. What's going to happen? But see, that's inappropriate. And so if we'll avoid the inappropriate things, we'll never get to that place. We, we talk about in our ministry team, if you're going to text someone of the opposite sex, then you text their wife or their spouse too. So they're both getting the text. How many, how many are thankful that you've got a ministry team in your church that's, that's, that's operating that way? It's all three of you. Amen. We are trying to be a church of integrity and character and, and, and watching so that these things will never happen because they happen when things inappropriate. So texting the opposite sex, looking at things that are inappropriate. How many know when your spirit convicts you, at the very moment it convicts you, you need to listen? Your spirit will tell you that's wrong. Turn it off. Stop looking, stop doing it, stop thinking it, and, and, you'll, and, and, and then that's where you, you get your mind right. That's where it says, be not transformed, conformed to this world. And it's, it's a whole, whole different thing for men than women because God made us different. And so I, I always say, I'm a man, and so I have to teach men how to be men. I can't teach a woman how to be a woman because I don't know anything about being a woman. And here we are in a day where everybody wants to blend it all together. 
make it all the same. But I only know how to be a man, and I can teach men how to be a man. And so I know the things that are pitfalls to me as a man, and I teach the men that when you see a woman and, and, and they, they're attractive or, or they're coming your way and something catches your eye, you got to turn your head. You don't, you don't go follow through with the thought. Women are different than men. You have your own problems. Go figure that out with my wife and all the other women in the church, what you guys got to do. I don't know what you got to do or what your problems are, but I know what men's problems are. Amen. And, and the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, 27 and 28, see, this was the problem with this man. He didn't deal with this. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. How many people today are, are, are on their way to hell as Christians that are bound to pornography because they're, they're committing adultery with their wife with somebody else? No amen there? Okay. And don't think that just, just men can get caught up in that. Again, I'm not a woman, so I don't know how that works, but I know women have problems with that too. Whatever it is, church, we need to get serious because the devil knows his time is short, and he is looking for trophies. He, he, he may not even be able to keep you from going to heaven, but he wants to, he wants to smear the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, stay with me. Here, here's, the, here's the problem. Here's the salvation issue. Going back to when you'll be uh, justified by your words or condemned, it, sin has to be confessed. Okay? Confessed. That's why I said I, I don't know of any confession of this man coming out and saying, it, it, it's not that it would have fixed it. It would have still been horrible. But if he came out and said, I've got a problem. I've made these mistakes I'm coming clean. I'm gonna. I'm, I have it. I'm stepping down. You know, there's people who do this stuff and still stay in the ministry. Like they stay preaching. They have an affair. I know of people in Colorado and, and up in Denver and Colorado. The guy had an affair on his wife, married someone in the church, and kept pastoring. What is wrong with this world? Amen. And so we we've got to take this stuff serious. And so it says in First John one nine. You know this verse. If, say if, if we confess our sins, see there's where it's at, then he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, church. But if you are living in secret sin, you are not confessing your sin, you are not becoming clean about it, and you are, are not going to be able to be forgiven. You can't hide that from God. You've got to confess it. And when it's secret sin, you are trying to get away from it before somebody finds out. Come clean before somebody finds out. There's a big difference in, I'm not talking about in the redemption of God, but there's a big difference in the redemption of man when a person comes clean before they find out. How does a parent deal with a child who comes and tells them they were doing something wrong versus them finding out and having to pull the truth out of them? There's something about confession to God and making it right. Am I preaching right? Last verse, God's call to us is this. And John, you read at prayer, 
my other verse I had there. That's the Holy Spirit, Philippians 1. And I, and I took it out of my notes before I even came out here. So he already read Philippians 1, talking about being blameless. But this goes on to say it some more in Philippians 2, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's where we're at, church. We're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Father, this is our prayer tonight, that we would not run or labor in vain. God, that we would get serious tonight, God, and deal with our sin Deal with temptations. Deal with pride. Deal with lust. Deal with anger. Deal with unforgiveness. God, it, this is a, a, an area of sexual perversion that I talked about tonight with this man. But God, there's stuff all across our lives, Father, that the devil wants to smear us with and cause us to fall with and cause us to smear your name and be deceived tonight. Lord, Lord don't let us be deceived. Let us examine ourselves in the fear of the Lord and to do things right, Father, to fix things. Lord, the wonderful thing about your grace is that you are a forgiving God. And we can come clean. We can make it right. And Father, tonight, maybe not one person has anything to come clean about, but we can say, God, please keep me from these things. Keep me from, you're, you're either in one place or the other. You're either in something you need to deal with tonight. You need to fear the Lord. You need to examine yourself. You need to be accountable to somebody. <clears throat> or you're here and you're saying, God, please don't let that be me. Don't let that be me, God. Don't let me defame your name. Don't let me bring disgrace to the gospel. Lord, help me get things right. Help me get on track. Because I want to live forever with you and I want to finish the race. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here tonight. I thank you that you're dealing with us right now, individually. Not corporately, individually. And your Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us individually. And you're showing us where we're at, where our heart's at, where our lives are at, God. Father, if you don't do anything else tonight, my prayer is please help us understand that nothing is hidden from you. You know our foolishness. Our sins are clear to you, Father. And so since you know all things and you see all things, help us to be wise and to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for these things I've done. I'm sorry for letting my guard down. I'm sorry for allowing these things to come into my life. I'm sorry for watching these things or hearing these things or doing these things or thinking these things sorry for holding grudges. I'm sorry for coveting. I'm sorry for being angry. I'm sorry for not forgiving. God, whatever it is, help us tonight, God. Help us. Help us, God, to be a church without spot or wrinkle. A church that's blameless and looking for your return. Lord, count us worthy tonight. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place and the spirit of the living God is going all throughout our hearts tonight and searching us how many in this place or watching online 
You're not ready to meet Jesus. You're not born again. You're not saved. Your name's not in the book of life. You need forgiveness tonight. You need to make things right with a holy God. How many could just simply lift that hand up and put it right back down tonight all over? Say, that's me. I need to get things right tonight. I'm not saved. I've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're online. I can't see you on the camera. I can't see where you're at. But we're going to pray with you in just a minute. Maybe you're here tonight and you're backslidden. You're here, but you're backslidden. You're here, but you're, you're living on a slippery slope. And you're in danger. In danger. I told someone this week, and hopefully they're watching, in danger of eternity without God. Are you listening to me? Eternity without God. Not a, not a lifetime. Eternity without God. You need to turn around. It's not a laughing matter. It's not a joking matter. It's not funny. Get right. You don't have to come tell me, but you better tell God. Get right. We can't even fathom in our minds what eternity is. We can't even contemplate it. God God takes sin serious. He takes it so serious that he left heaven to come down and deal with it. He took that sin on his body. Church, I know we make mistakes. I know we fail. I know we sin. But can you understand what it cost God to die on that cross? Can you understand what it was for Jesus to feel that sin? When you make that, to feel that sin on his life that he took and then mock, mock it by doing it again. By not dealing with it and saying, God, I'm sorry. I, am, I don't want to do that again. Please help me, God. Church, deal with it tonight. Watch it online. Deal with it now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time of the Lord. Let's say a prayer. Stand all over this place. Please just stay in this spirit of reverence. Say it from your heart. Before we go offline, say it from your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for salvation for being real with me, for convicting me of my sin. Forgive me if I haven't taken you serious, if I haven't taken the things of God serious, if I haven't taken the cross serious, and your shed blood, and your resurrection. I believe in those things. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me From all those sins, I confess to you, I fall short of your glory. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Tonight I cry out to you and I ask you to change me. I ask you to put a fear, a reverent fear of who you are in my spirit so that I will not sin against you. I ask you to help me self-examine myself. Search my heart. Test myself to see if I'm in the faith. And I ask you to hold me accountable to my pastor, my leaders, my family, my friends, so that I can walk a clean life that glorifies your name 
and brings honor to your name. I ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. And I thank you for your grace that is sufficient for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stay in this attitude of prayer? We're going to go offline. Would you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? We're going to open up the altar and just